it's really important to like carve out time and space to have these conversations. I've watched too many friends just tell me over the years who have small kids who haven't addressed the important things because they haven't felt they had time and they've almost ended up in divorce. Hello and welcome to the BBXX podcast. Let's get intimate. I'm your host, Sasha Laurie, and I'm here to bring you content, conversations, insights, perspectives, and lessons learned that will bring you closer to a deeper appreciation for and relationship with yourself. I'm here to bring you conversations about sexuality, self-awareness, self-development, relationships, intimacy, exploration that will guide you on your journey to deeper self-understanding. Our close relationships account for 70% of our happiness and 90% of our well-being. So better relationships really does mean a better life. I'm so happy to have you here with me. And as always, I'm right here next to you along for the ride on this wild, crazy, beautiful journey. Hello, and welcome back to yet another amazing conversation with Adriana and Michael. Like I said, originally it was going to be one conversation with the three of us together. It was so good. We scheduled another and now another. And in fact, I think we might just have them as recurring guests on the show because there's just so much to dive into here. Conversations have been so fascinating, mixed with stories about their own relationship, the tough times that they've been through, how they've navigated it, the tools that they've used, advice for how to get through conflict, so many great perspectives shared through their own experience. But my favorite thing about these conversations is how it not only brings in the raw, unfiltered stories of their own relationship, but it also comes with the practical, actionable advice and tools and examples of how you can incorporate some of this work into your own relationship in order to co-create the partnership of your dreams. I hope you enjoy these conversations as much as I have. Please reach out and let me know which pieces of advice, what tools you have put into practice after listening to these conversations, how it's gone for you. And I look forward to continuing these conversations. Okay. So excited to have you both back here and continue the amazing conversation about the most practical, but also powerful tools for connection to help people in partnerships co-create their dream relationship, co-create the lives that each of them want in a way that works together. Some of the topics that we touched on last time, I'll do a quick recap for our listeners. And if you haven't listened to our last episode, be sure to check it out. But some of the things we talked about were the difference in focusing on the what versus the why when we look at the impact versus the intention behind it, what somebody has done rather than approaching things from curiosity and wondering why, where did it come from, what beliefs, what fears, what doubts. And so really the what versus the why, but also approaching things from curiosity rather than jumping straight into criticism. We talked a lot about shared understanding and co-creating definitions to one, make sure that we're talking about the same things that we are choosing to co-design the meaning of things and making sure that part of our conflict isn't just us getting lost and actually discussing or arguing about different things when in fact we might believe or want or even have the same shared goal in mind. 
We also talked about not making someone wrong. I love that point that the two of you brought up of when you're in an argument, kind of the tipping point for where things are going to start to go wrong and unravel and you're kind of lose that opportunity for things to be constructive and they're going to become destructive is when there's a choice to make someone wrong and make their choice or their point of view. So no one being wrong leaves things open for space, exploration, understanding, etc., healing. We talked about how much of this is about proactively creating the opportunity for that conflict, again, to be constructive rather than destructive. Part of it is done in the moment. How do you react? Where do you choose to take things? Are there judgments being thrown out? Are there questions, curiosity versus criticism? But a lot of that work happens before conflict ever arises. It's in the preparation. It's in co-creating those definitions, the shared understanding, creating containers for connection, et cetera, et cetera. Another couple of themes that came up, ask, don't assume, really making sure you know your partner, whether it's proactively or in the moment, asking rather than assuming their intentions, et cetera. I remember, Michael, you mentioned an example when Adriana is crying in a conflict that you know it's actually going well. And I thought that was such an interesting example where somebody could assume that means something's wrong and it's actually going bad, right? If somebody is crying. And so when you really do know your partner or you ask, hey, are these happy tears? Are these sad tears frustrated? Then it's always an opportunity to continue that shared understanding rather than move into assumption. Really the question of how do you create a win-win? And I can't remember if I touched on this, but I certainly will at some point in our interviews, the idea of being on the same team, which for me, I often talk about and think about as the number one One of the most important ingredients in a successful partnership when you have that shared goal, because even when things are going wrong, shit hits the fan. I usually use the example of like in the World Cup, somebody inevitably scores the goal on their own team, right? It bounces off, it goes into the goal, but you can't focus on that. You can't let that get you off track. You still know without a doubt that you have the same shared goal in mind to win, to move forward, to advance to live out your dream together as a team, as a partnership. Rather, when you focus on those kind of smaller hiccups, rather than having that shared goal in mind and the trust that even if you're not seeing eye to eye right now in the moment, you still have each other's back. You still are trying to get to the same place. That can be absolutely game-changing for better or for worse. Lastly, we talked about cost versus investment and compound growth. And how do you know this is hard work. It's effort. It's not easy, but it gets easier the more you do it. And all the changes you make, the communication, the conflict resolution tools build up, they compound on each other. And the idea of thinking this as an investment rather than a cost, because yes, in that moment, you might not feel like spending the next hour having a really difficult, exhausting conversation. But if you try and push that under the rug, you might be find yourself wasting hours of time, energy, stress, anxiety, distraction, etc. that is going to add up inevitably to way more time, way more energy, way more stress. And lastly, consciously created containers for connection. I love alliteration. So I decided to call it that. One example that you guys gave were M&A weekends but also so many different types of smaller, shorter containers or moments that can intentionally be created, set aside, and protected to have these proactive conversations, to talk through these things, to dissolve the obstacles, keeping, holding you guys back from connection. So I know that you guys had an M&A weekend coming up last time we talked. So I'd love to just start from there and hear how either that weekend went or what have some of your biggest learnings from these M&A weekends or any of these consciously created containers for connections been? The biggest lessons learned and perhaps some favorite moments. Well, first of all, Sasha, thanks for recapping all that. I'm like, dang, we covered a lot of great territory. (laughs) We love to cover all the things. 
all the things. Yeah. And a lot came through. So that's awesome. And I'm super excited to be back. So this last M&A weekend we set aside was really important for us because we've been running at a million miles an hour doing our thing and we were experiencing quite a bit of conflict. And what we really needed was this a space that was consciously created, a container that could allow us to connect. So I love that alliteration. What some of the things that we did and do on these M&A weekends, we often start out with long hikes or walks and just having space to talk. It doesn't have to be like immediately jumping into deep territory, but also allowing that to happen, just giving space to the things that I feel get compressed or shut or repressed during normal living where there's not space and just giving them air to breathe. We often will have really luxurious mornings in Mm. bed where it's without any rush to get out of bed and start the day. We'll just snuggle in bed and cozy up and we might even just be shooting the shit or loving up on each other in bed. But it's like we might not get out of bed until 930. And that is luxurious. The reason I share that is because there's actually like this intention to like letting things unfold and take the time that they need without any rush to get from where we are to anything about where we're going, letting it really come organically and kind of be guided to whether that's some things might take a lot less time, some things might expand. Thanks. That's one of my favorite parts of it. So I appreciate you bringing that up. I think for many couples, I know for us at the start of a relationship, there's a lot of time spent in bed, right? Making love, basking in the connection and in the relationship. And I think as we get busier and busier, or as we get more used to each other and just less, like it's less of that new thing, that time, I think for many couples decreases. And so even just like, it kind of brings back that new love feeling for me anyway, of just being in bed all morning, just having fun, just being together. And and it is luxurious. I mentioned that because I think these M&A weekends for us, it's like, it's a chance to just like do the things that bring our spark back. Part of that is just experiencing the spaciousness. And part of that is, as you were talking about having the challenging conversations and proactively keeping things clear and moving through conflicts. But yeah, I love that you're bringing that up. So typically we'll do that. And a lot of the time ahead of time, at least one of us and this is something that is practical for anyone going into a consciously created container for connection, taking the time to think, to do some self-reflection. I think we might've mentioned this last time to consider where is the relationship going amazing and what are the places that it feels it's not at its best. So that coming into the time together, we have a sense of what we really want to move through, where we want to be on the other side of having had this experience. Cause that'll also like naturally let the conversations on the walk be that or whatnot. Or sometimes we'll take time before we go on the walk to each journal a little bit so that we can, if we haven't had time before to connect to those things, Mm -hmm. when we go on the walk and kind of launch into our day, we have more clarity around that. And then typically at some point after that, something will come up that's a bigger conversation and we'll make space for it. We have a whiteboard. We also work together. So We'll like pull out the whiteboard and get our markers out and write down all the different things related to what we're talking about or just do a little brain dump. Or if there's a decision to be made, we'll, we have this cool decision-making framework that we've learned that we use. But it's like a chance to actually together as a team, which is something you brought up, work on whatever we feel like we want to work on. And there is there something so nice with a team actually getting together in person, if possible, and having space to plan or dream or envision or solve a problem it builds that sense of being on a team so strongly. So that's also a really important element to it. And another thing, usually, I think we might have said this in one of our last sessions, but usually, often the first half of the day, if it's a day or if it's a weekend, the first half of the day can kind of be like bringing these things forward and sitting together with the intention to like really heal and move through, release whatever's kind of in the way of connection. So if there's conflict that hasn't been fully healed or repaired or addressed, then we might give ourselves the permission to use that time to go there. And so oftentimes the first half of the day, I'm crying at least for 30 minutes and we're moving through things. But as we do, and I think something that's important to say is the state that we come into these conversations with is really important. There's something really sacred about these weekends. We are designing them to be a sacred container. And so that means we're getting ourselves in state individually ahead of time so that we can come into these conversations with an open heart and with a desire to really like get on the same team if we haven't felt like we've been up until that point. And 
usually there's a moment where suddenly things start to fall away and clear and it feels there's more capacity in the partnership. After that point, oftentimes we might spend some time outside or just really it's like cuddling, snuggling. Maybe we go on another walk to just let let the energy actually transition within the system of the partnership. And then we always organically, like we talked about spoiling sessions at all. Okay, so spoiling sessions are an important part of this. So oftentimes couples have their time for physical intimacy with one another. And one thing that can be a little tricky about that at times is if both people are oriented towards the other person receiving pleasure, sometimes we can forget to really allow ourselves to fully receive. And so spoiling sessions are about dedicated time for one partner to be purely receiving. And so we, over the course of a weekend, will each end up having a spoiling session. And so ahead of a spoiling session, I might ask Michael, what would be, first of all, I know him really well. So a lot of things I can already sense, but I might say like, what would be like your dream spoiling session? What would feel really good for you right now? And definitely is typically very sexual. We have different, it's so funny. You can like see the different ways that each of us receives because mine is like, I want to start with a luxurious massage. And so the idea is if we are the one giving the spoiling session, we are coming with an open heart and with an intention to just make our partner feel fully loved and appreciated and help them open to really receiving nourishment, healing, fulfillment of desire, whatever the thing is. And so it's a really juicy time and it strips away any need. Let's say if I pleasure Michael, that it strips away any need for him to feel like he needs to return the favor afterwards. It's just about him. And so these are super powerful and have been, quite frankly, for me, some of the most healing experiences that we've had in our partnership because as a woman, there's so much conditioning that I've received around giving, focusing on being a nurturer, focusing on making sure other people's needs are being met. And so it, when we started doing these, for me, I didn't even know what to do. It was so uncomfortable for me. So for anyone who's considering doing this, I want to just acknowledge initially, if you're not in the habit of like really letting yourself receive, it can be an adjustment initially because there's a habitual way of being that's being challenged. But what's on the other side of that, in my experience, is, wow, more expression, more capacity to actually feel Michael's love for me without in stripping away his love being tied to me needing to do something in order to receive his love. So I wanted to share that spoiling sessions are a really big part of this weekend too. I do have some questions. I love the concept of spoiling sessions. We had not talked about that before. And like you said, it changes the terms, but it also changes the way perhaps the love is being given and received. And you've had the ability to create or communicate what will land most deeply with you. And so it's also going to be a spoiling session in your love language or in the way that you desire, in the way that you will feel most deeply. I have a couple quick questions about spoiling sessions, and then I want to go back to some of the structures also to make sure people understand what's not just happening in these moments, but beforehand to kind of create the spaces, set up the time, any agreements and rules. But for these spoiling sessions on a practical level, is this only during M&A weekends something that if you guys have a desire to connect that you will use? Would you strategically like not have back-to-back spoiling sessions? Are they planned together versus intentionally at different times or on different days. I'd love to know if there's anything that goes into kind of setting the structure in which you get to thrive through these spoiling sessions. It's a great question. Usually they're separate and we try and do them once a week. There are a couple of things that come up that I want to share because I, I can imagine if I were listening to this, I might think, well, what if my partner wants me to do something I don't want to do? I think there are different ways to do spoiling sessions. One is just to like pleasure them in the ways that you know how. 
But I think where it gets really interesting is there are so many desires and fantasies and ways of being pleasure that we may have that many of us without being asked haven't shared. And so it creates an opportunity to say, like, rather than going with the status quo of what you know your partner likes, to say, what would feel good right now? And what would be really exciting to you? And then to have a conversation around what are we available for? Because sometimes Michael wants things in a spoiling session. He's very creative. And sometimes he wants things. And I'm like, you know what, Lev? Like, I'm super excited about pleasuring you and taking this time with you. I'm not in this moment based on my state. I'm not actually available for this thing that you're suggesting but here's what I am available for. How would that feel for you? And so there's a little bit of a negotiation that can happen. So that's a really beautiful thing. And then throughout is this invitation too to be like, if I'm pleasuring him or vice versa in whatever way, whether it's massage, whether it's, you know, sexual or non-sexual and more energetic to ask the question, like, what would enhance your pleasure even more? What would take this up another couple of notches for you? What would help you receive? So there's, we don't want to do overkill and be asking this every two minutes, but like, it's really nice to ask that at different points throughout, because it might be that there's something, he might have an awareness of something that would actually enhance his experience, or I might. And at least for me, sometimes until someone asks the question, I don't even realize that there's more that would be helpful. But as soon as it's asked, I'm like, oh, I want this thing too. Or I want this a little differently. Yeah. And just to flesh out from a practical standpoint a little bit more. So I would say generally a spoiling session should probably be at least an hour because you want time to get into it and have the full experience, maybe an hour and a half, depending on or longer, of course, depending on what it is. And usually uh, in the same day is awesome. But what you want to avoid is having one person just really get spoiled. If I'm going to spoil Adriana first and she's receiving, and then it'd be a lot to like come out of that and immediately, I want her to bask in that. I want her to just receive that. And then afterward, have her space to just like bask in that instead of thinking that she immediately has to return the favor. And what's so powerful about these is that they can, yeah, they're really an expression of unconditional love and giving. And of course, having experiences where it's mutually being giving and receiving are awesome. And I've found, and I think we both found that doing spoiling sessions where one person is purely giving and the other person is purely receiving actually expands our capacity to receive and to give. Each person gets to go really deep into one of those two things, which cultivates this beautiful experience of giving and receiving which then deepens both people's understanding of, oh, what does my partner really love? And what does it feel to really give unconditionally without thinking about anything in return? For us, it's often massage or something related to sexuality. Like that experience anchors that sense of giving and receiving in the rest of our relationship too, in a lot of ways. For me, receiving, purely receiving for a while afterwards, all I want to do is give. I'm like, oh, wow, I'm so filled up from this experience. I want to give to my partner. So There's a lot of beautiful results from these spoiling sessions that are really powerful. And I've learned through these to like understand my own needs and wants way more clearly than I did. And I know Adriana has too, and has had some really powerful emotional breakthroughs of understanding more deeply, like how have we been conditioned to always be trying to give to others and not letting ourselves receive or How have we been conditioned to not share that thing that we really want, but we're afraid that the person won't do it. So we're like, we don't want to say it or we're we're ashamed of it or whatever. It opens this incredible space for deep communication that ripples out a lot beyond the sessions themselves. And one thing that I want to add is these can look so different. The different chapters of our relationship, our spoiling sessions have looked pretty different for me, depending on where am I? What am I needing? What am I desiring? What's healing for me right now? And there are times where it's really fiery and sexual and sensual and kinky. And then there are times where it's actually, I'm going into a shamanic healing journey. And I want to say that because it, it can look so many different ways. I was diagnosed three months ago with having stage three endometriosis. And as an example, some of the things I've experienced pain in my womb area, in my pelvic region recently. And so that's led me actually to have less desire for intercourse because it hasn't been as comfortable. And so some of my spoiling sessions recently have actually been like, I want you to gently massage my, we'll start with a full body massage. And then I want you to 
massage my womb and work out some of the tension there. And so that I want to focus on really slowing down my breathing and focus on staying really connected to you. And I want you to have your hand on my heart or like, then maybe he goes down on me, but it's like every second and every moment is I'm checking in. Is my nervous system open right now or is it contracting? And if I'm contracting, I might say, please pause. Can we just take a few breaths together? I wanted to just share this because this isn't just, ooh, let's just get sexual and kinky. It's what would make me feel so spoiled and cared for and loved in this moment. And there are some days where it's, I just want you to massage my entire body for the next hour. And that would feel so juicy for me. Right. What are the actions ways of communicating, sharing that make us feel cared for and loved, you said, in so many different love languages in general, and of course, different circumstances and different needs and desires in different moments. What I love about them is simultaneously, while it is really doubling down and one person fully giving, the other person fully receiving, and Michael, I really love the part where you pointed out that it allows people to go even deeper, right? When you allow yourself to receive more deeply than you actually want to give even more deeply and it opens those doors. But what I also hear is that throughout this all, they are still co-created, right? Not just kind of one static thing. Here's the schedule. This is what we're going to do, right? There was a whole kind of at what I'm, this is what I'm available for. I hear what you want. This is what I'm actually available for, making sure it works for both people. And then in the moment, it's co-created in the way that it evolves according to kind of both the needs, desires, and boundaries of both people. And the reason that we, that Michael is suggesting having 90 minutes is at minimum is really nice is that if, especially depending on our lives, it's for some of us, and I put myself in this box, if I know in 60 minutes, I need to be fully dressed and out the door because I have an appointment that I need to get to and I'm going to have 10 minutes. It's really hard for me to like a hundred percent drop in. And so the space means that we can, maybe I want to shower for the first 15 minutes to just feel relaxed, or we might want to use the first 10, we have a hot tub, we might want to use the first 10 minutes to hot tub. It just gives us space to enter for the entire arc of the experience. We're not trying to rush to whatever the peak experience is and get to the other side. It's that luxurious quality and spaciousness is very present. And going back to the M&A weekends, right? a lot of this is in the setup or like the warm up. <laughs> Going back to, of course, being on the same team and sports and all of that with the metaphor you use, right? There's a warm up. Like you just don't show up at the big game. You've been there, you've been warming up, you've been trained. You had to get somewhere, go somewhere to get to that new space, the different energy, the energy you have at a practice versus a game or in an event or consciously created container for connection that you set up is inevitably going to be completely different than on the fly. Hey, and spontaneity is amazing and can be really great, but it can also make it way harder to tap into that level of depth than when you choose and protect and design these moments and these spaces and these containers. One thing I did want to bring up, and right now we're kind of talking about, okay, what do the all-in versions of these things look like? And we'll definitely also talk about what does maybe a pared down, a shorter or a weekday version of M&A weekends for people who are thinking, oh, of course, I don't have that much time or who have kids or things are more complicated. Going back to the M&A weekends, I'd love to talk about some of the setup that goes into that. What are the agreements, rules, intentions, kind of planning that goes into that becomes a really important part of defining its success. Well, one thing that immediately comes to mind is the physical space, because the physical environment plays a big role for different people in different ways. Adriana, the environment matters a lot to her sense of calm. If it's not clean, etc. Like the nicer, clean, nice environment actually goes a really long way. So whether it's a whole weekend or whether it's a short time, like actually taking time to make a space, even if it's just one room, really nice. Some candles, just little things that, that go a long way to create a physical container that then will support the emotional and intimate container. For weekends, we sometimes we stay at home. Sometimes we'll just do a little getaway to like a 
camping or we'll find a little Airbnb nearby or something. But that can be a really nice way to, to also prepare. And then as far as other preparation, I mean, we mentioned like journaling or reflection on what is going well and what is not going as well beforehand or during near the start to really take care of whatever health needs there might be, whether that's getting exercise or getting outside or making sure to eat well and drink really good water, like the basics, essentially, just to be able to show up in that space for a sports team. And this is a big game. We want to take care of our bodies and make sure that and minds and make sure that we're in a state to show up at our best. And otherwise, I think another practice that that we have, I think that's really nice is as like conflicts and tensions naturally arise throughout the course of life. If we know we have an M&A weekend coming up or we know there's going to be a container, it's so nice to be like, all right, let's put this somewhere. Let's just put this on the whiteboard. Let's put this on the Google Doc or whatever where we're tracking this stuff. Because in the five minutes we have between meetings in the kitchen, if we get into it, it's just going to cause frustration the rest of the day. But if we just say, you know what? Let's take care of this when we're in a really great state together. It can alleviate that stress in the moment. And then we have this then when we get into the M&A weekend, we kind of have this like backlog of stuff. And some of that probably has worked itself out as it does, but some of it hasn't. And so that can be a cool way to have some material to work on that you don't need to spend a lot of time prepping if you're just sort of naturally keeping track of the parts of the relationship that maybe could use a little spring cleaning or there's just some stickiness there. Oh, just the power of not letting the small things get to you. One you mentioned, Michael, a lot of it's probably going to have kind of gone away on its own, fixed itself, or didn't really matter in the first place. But being able to give, I hear so much about time and space and expansion, right? And when you give more time, space, expansion, some things dissolve, they go away, or you have a different perspective. There are all some of the myths in partnerships people talk about these days are, okay, maybe you actually do good, bad, angry, so that you don't stay up all night fighting about things because maybe in the morning things are going to seem a lot better or if people will have a new perspective. It'll have worked itself out, but also kind of not sweeping things under the rug, right? Because it's going into a dock or onto a whiteboard or even if it's just noted down or remembered, it's not getting swept under the rug, but it is being kind of paused and set aside on the counter to come back to later when you'll actually be able to address it more deeply and benefit and work through it much more clearly and in a much better way. There are all these articles these days of like, actually, maybe you should go to bed angry. Like, you know, all these things about working out in the moment. And some people do need to work it out in the moment. So it's really tough. But there are benefits to tabling things, saving it for later. And so what I was talking about is you're not sweeping it under the rug but you're like tabling it, setting it aside to come back to later. And it's hard because we, we want to work through it in the moment, right? Because, but it's sometimes it needs to be worked through in that moment. And sometimes it's actually better not to. Well, I think your point about the difference between tabling it and sweeping it under the rug is so important. Sweeping it under the rug is actually just going to accumulate and build resentment talking about it. And if we can work it out right away, great. If not, if we can't work it out in the space and time we have, then tabling it somewhere for when we have the time and space actually, I mean, it still doesn't feel resolved. And obviously, I would rather it feel resolved, but it feels way better to have a plan saying we're a team, we know this is an issue, we're going to work on it when we can, than it does to just not just leave it unresolved and open ended. Another big thing is I think there are a lot of couples who don't they just don't end up having important conversations because they're like we don't have the time we have five minutes here we have 30 minutes in the evening and i think you know it's not to say i recognize we don't yet have kids we have a dog who feels like a child but like very different of course and so not saying this is easy and i do think that it's really important to like carve out time and space to have these conversations i've watched too many friends just tell me over the years who have small kids who haven't addressed the important things because they haven't felt they had time and they've almost ended up in divorce or they've neared the end of their relationship because we talked about investment versus cost. There is a cost. Of course, there's something that's lost when we say, okay, we just need to figure out how to create these three hours for us to sit down and have space to dive into some of these topics. But it's really important and worthwhile, which is why we try and do these M&A weekends on a, on 
at least a quarterly basis so that we're not going super long periods of times without having the chance to really dive in and talk about these things. So yeah, that felt important to name as well. Yeah. And what keeps coming up for me is this idea of ask, don't assume that they came up in our last conversation, but also in the spoiling sessions of, right, we assume we know how to pleasure them or what they want in that moment or in general, but asking rather than assuming. And also, if we want to talk about something and dig through it in the moment or table it and save it for later, asking, do you want to work through this now? Is this something we should save for later and come back to? Would that be more beneficial? How can we set aside time? Do you want to set aside time to connect and to talk about these things? Otherwise, of course, it's not just going to happen. And it can be easy to assume the other person doesn't think of it as a priority, right? Each person can be thinking about that thinking that about the other person, but asking and finding out that, yeah, okay, even if life has been busy and it feels like it's impossible to make that time, you both have established that you want to make it and therefore you're much more to actually do it. So yeah, that asking versus assuming. So in terms of... And something like, yeah, I think that sometimes when people aren't in the habit of bringing certain topics forward and they're partnership, sometimes it can be like, well, I know that there's stuff, but I can't, I can't think of what it is. I know sometimes that's happened to me where it's like, wait, what do we need to work through? What do we need to talk about? And so one of the things we did a few years ago is we took time to really identify like, what are the core areas of our relationship that we care about and where tensions could arise that we kind of want to evaluate and assess? How are we doing? And it's not so different from the, a lot of coaches use of the wheel of life, but it's looking at different areas. It's okay. Our intimate really one area is our intimate relationship, our family relationships, our hobbies, our community, our spiritual life. And so we identified, I think we have seven or eight categories. And then we kind of look at each of those categories and say each rank, how are we doing in each of those areas? And that if it's less than an eight or nine, then it's okay, well, why? What's underneath that? What's leading our system to not be as vital in each of these areas. And that can also help for people who have a hard time thinking about what those topics are. That process can help identify and surface what's underneath the surface that would be helpful to bring forward and to, of course, prioritize them because you may not have time to get to everything. Right. Having them prioritized because it there may be no list, but then there once you create the list, it obviously can get long. And so having that's part of the setup of beforehand, thinking about either on your own and or together and having the intentions of what the goal of the weekend is, what things, some of the things that you want to work through are. So we talked about kind of having the right space, protecting, whether it's at home, a room that has been designed to to help for the processes and the feelings that you want to create. Of course, setting aside the time, protecting it, creating the lists or reflecting and thinking about what you want to get out of it, what you want to discuss throughout it. What's the role of technology in these? Are there any other kind of rules, boundaries, things put before? You also talked about health, getting the basics protected within that time, but any other boundaries, rules, agreements? We kind of talk ahead of time around when and if we're going to have technology out. If we're doing an entire weekend, there might be little periods or pockets during the day where we take take a moment to send a text or something. But usually we put technology... We put yeah, we usually put it away. The one other thing that I think we sometimes will discuss is because like movement and exercise is important to us. So we might say like, okay, well... Michael's a pickleball scene. He might be like, I really want to get in a game of pickleball this weekend. How can we make that happen? And so we might talk together about like, if he's going to play or if I'm going to go to the gym or if I'm going to do some movement, when's the best time for us to do that to really honor the flow of our weekend. So we're just collaborating. Another just example of like collaborating on the design of the how and when. Great. Thanks for including that that part about boundaries and Again, going back to the spoiling sessions, it's simultaneously each person making sure that they're taking care of the other person. They can have the space, time to take care of themselves and co-creating and making sure you're on the same team and designing 
these container spaces moments that will be best for the two of you together as partners. I now want to talk about, right, if this is sort of the ideal scenario to have this amount of time and flexibility and all of that, the luxurious mornings. I loved the idea of specifically the word luxurious mornings, although I think many people might say they don't have quite as much time or the luxury of doing Mm -hmm. these weekends or creating these containers in this same space. I also think we will have people from other countries. I'm specifically thinking of my people in Latin America and Spain who are going to laugh at the luxurious mornings that go until 9.30 in the morning and people who could easily spend half the day, right? So with all of this, it's advice and the idea is people take it and then create it in a way that works for them. So particularly for people who have kids or busy lives or feel that they do not have the space to create it in this ideal way, what's some advice for creating a more hard down, accessible, practical version of this, right? Because it's about the intention and and what you're getting out of it and the how can be very different, right? So first of all, it's amazing if this can all fit into one weekend, but doing these different parts of this in different days of the week, setting aside an hour, three days a week for just for a week to like have it be like a week about intimacy. And it's just three different one hour blocks. And maybe the first one is getting to talk and really maybe connect and work through some challenge that there's been or just go on a hike and just be out in nature or whatever. And then maybe the second one is a spoiling session from one partner to another. And the third one is a spoiling session the other way. That in and of itself would be a really beautiful chance to drop in more and build intimacy without having to invest the same amount in the relationship of time and energy. So I think that's one just immediate suggestion. I mean, even one one hour chunk of time or 90 minute chunk of time to get started is, of course, a step in the right direction. The reason that I encourage like three in one week like that is that they do build like it does deepen. So it's actually an exponential return on investment sometimes when you put in a little bit more. So it's rather than just do the bare minimum, that little bit above and beyond the first hour, actually that second hour or that second hour of a block in one week it's going to be more powerful because it's going to be deeper because you're building on top of the first one. So I think there's, yeah, that's a suggestion that comes to mind right away. Yeah, I would say too, it's possible that, you know, if you have a really big thing that's emerging in the relationship, 60 minutes and 90 minutes, it might need more time than that. And so there's also, I think it's important to understand some of these bigger topics just need time and space. And so co-designing together how to really create the space. There's so many different ways that couples can get creative, right? Maybe it's going up. For us, movement is so important. And so it's sometimes we start these conversations and we're on a walk and we're getting 90 minutes of movement. And so we can take a break. We can stretch if we need to. We can breathe. We can pause but we're moving these conversations forward and we can decide, do we need to carve out more space for this week? When are we going to revisit it? If not, I think having identifying the next time it's going to happen can be really helpful. So it doesn't feel like, all right, we're still in it, but we're just going to brush it under the rug and keep the rest of our week going. And in parallel to that, I think something that is really has been really important for me, at least, is to realize even if it feels like there are things that we're moving through that are unresolved, the spoiling sessions for me are a way to like really stay connected to the big picture and to the commitment. There might be this thing that's present in our relationship. And in fact, this is true for us right now. There's something that we are moving through together and it's been hard and it's been the last six weeks have been challenging. And we still do the spoiling sessions because it's like, okay, well, we want, we're still building towards the high dream. And the spoiling session is a way that can, in the moment, in the conflict, it might feel, oh, we're struggling to be on the same team right now. How do we get to this win-win? What does that look like? The spoiling sessions are like, okay, that's all true. And at the end of the day, I am fiercely committed and devoted to this human being. And I want them to, I want them to not only know that I love them, 
but to feel my love from them and to help them stay open no matter what's happening in our relationship. And so the receptivity, the invitation to say this time is for you to be receptive, it's a gift to the other person. It's also nourishing the partnership as a whole and the resiliency of the partnership, I believe. A hundred percent. Right, right. That part about even if in the moments it might feel you're not on the same team or there are all these things still yet to work through and you're in the middle of it, those sessions really are to kind of proclaim and reaffirm that you are on the same team. And these M&A weekends, or if it's a coffee session or a walk or whatever, are to find out if you're on the same team and fight until somebody wins, right? It's dedicated time to work through the things keeping you from feeling like you're not on the same team. But outside of that, you can still have the knowing that even if it doesn't feel like it, that the trust and the knowing that you are and the reminders. Mm -hmm. Another version, I I like that you brought up the walk and I want to come back to the fact, the role that nature plays in that. But an even more simple version that came up is on a long drive. And obviously that's not as great for intimacy and eye contact, but something that I love about the walks and the drive is particularly if these conversations might be hard there's an end point and there's a separation of space, right? You come home from the walk, maybe you stop, you stretch, grab a coffee, you extend the walk for as long as is needed to figure it out, but then you come home and it ends. You're on a drive and you can get into it, talk about it, but you get out of the car, you close the door and you close the door on that conversation and you have that separation to move or get back into and not have difficult conversations kind of leak into or feel unresolved. I think that structure can lend itself to helping feel that conversation is complete. So going back to those walks and as one of the last things that we'll talk about today, because there's never enough time, what role does nature play in these experiences? Or just do you think nature can play in creating containers for connection or helping nourish partnerships or nourish healing in general? I think it play, can play so many roles. I think, I mean, for uh, for both of us, nature is such a healer and a teacher and, and a source of inspiration. I think being in nature, though, to your point about what you just shared, like there's no ceiling, there's no walls, like it's all, everything around is living, it's sunshine. And there's, there's so many things about that physical environment that support healing and expansion. I mean, it's where we can't, it's our natural, it's, you know, what our DNA evolved to live within. And when we smell soil, it it releases oxytocin in our brains. When we feel sunshine, our mood improves. There's these, and this actually comes back to something else too that that I wanted to return to, which is not having the time and energy. I get it. Not many people aren't going to have the same spaciousness as we have. When we have kids, we won't have the same spaciousness. And their energy is not the same thing as time and experiencing fulfillment and joy and connection in a partnership brings so much more energy than feeling frustrated and resentful and depressed or sad. Those are heavy emotions that give us less energy all around, whereas the former ones are uplifting emotions that bring us more energy. So and that help us feel we're expanding time and right and help. Well, basically, with more energy, we can do more in less time. So even though it might take time and energy, it's an investment. This is part of the whole idea of investment. What that gives us back is more energy for other things. So it's not like we're talking about taking away from other things for the sake of this. It's like this partnership is such a huge impact on us, what our partnership is. So it's actually a source of more energy. So I just wanted to come back to that. And then I think to me, that's the essence of what nature can support is that nature, the energy in nature, like the the mood that it supports, the open pic- picture perspective it supports, the growth that's literally happening all around, the harmony that's everywhere. Those are things that are qualities that we want in our partnership. So when we're in nature, that supports us in actually having those qualities as well. And I'll just add briefly that I think for both of us, nature is such a big doorway into connecting to something greater, whether you know, like God, spirit, universe, life. And so There's a way in which being in nature 
in preparation for some of these conversations or during some of these conversations is for me very much a way to like come back to my center, to really stay grounded, to fill my own well, to have my well be filled even as I'm giving energy towards the conversation that's taking place. And the earth literally compost things, compost food that's rotten into nourishment for the earth, right? And it can do that. I mean, this is a much bigger conversation. It can do that with our emotions. It can do that with our thoughts. It can do that with so many things. And so being in that space, for me, honestly, it it really ends up feeling like there's an ally that is holding our partnership. So even if Michael and I are forgetting that we're on the same team in any given moment, there's something that's literally holding us in the potential of who we are, in the understanding of us as a system and seeing and connected to the wholeness within that, that feels something that's just an anchor for us to be able to come back to or for me to be able to come back to. Amazing. Thank you for sharing all of that. I'm really excited to continue to talk about the healing power of nature, the role that nature can play in partnerships, in relationships, above all in a relationship with ourselves, and just so many things, vision quests that you guys have done, so many more things to come back to in terms of nature and to come back to in terms of consciously creating containers for connection. Sadly, we are short on time today. I'm sure we could go on, but I can't wait to come back and continue talking about ways to take these same concepts and either design them in a way in your own life, your own partnership that feels ideal, that feels the most expansive, luxurious or possible, or take the same intentions and get the same impact through ways that work for you and who you are in the circumstances of your life, the circumstances of your partnership, and still get those incredibly impactful results. One of the things that I heard was almost that the more you feel like you can't do it and you don't have the time, energy can't make a priority, the more you will be able to get out of it if you do. So thank you again so much and excited to keep things going. Thank you. Thanks, Sasha. So insightful and love the questions and love being here with you. Thank you so much to each and every one of you for tuning in to listen to our show. If you like what you learned and you know someone who might also like listening, please do share this podcast. You can also feel free to reach out to us anytime. If you'd like to submit questions, requests for experts to have on the show, or if you'd like to share your positive feedback or constructive criticism, we'd love to hear what you think. It's the only way we can learn and grow along with you. Be sure to check out our website, follow us on Instagram at bbxx.world, and subscribe to the Book Club newsletter, where we send out even more resources to help you dive even deeper to the topics that we bring to you on the show. Once again, we encourage you to take what we discuss on this show and apply it in your everyday life. Because remember, better relationships equals better life.